Welcome to Talent Management Truths. I'm your host, Lisa Mitchell. I'm a talent management thought partner and results coach, wife, and mom. Talent management leaders are hungry to learn from their peers and want to hear about real-life talent initiatives. This podcast is for and by talent management leaders. My guests and I dig into successes, challenges, and lessons learned from a very practical, not theoretical point of view. You'll discover important insights about how to elevate your confidence and amplify your influence in a role known for being caught in the organizational middle. I'm thrilled to have you listening. So let's get going and hear the truth about talent management today. How do you help employees understand your brand promise and align their performance and engagement to it? Sometimes organizational silos can make alignment difficult. In this episode, we get a peek behind the curtains at an organization that chose to align three essential and typically distinct functions together. HR and employee experience, client experience, and marketing. My guest is Sherry Evans, who is the Senior Vice President of People and Client Experience at Aviso Wealth. In her role for two years following a merger of three companies into one, Sherry and her team are working hard to ensure it's clear for everyone how employee experience is clearly connected to customer experience. This was a really intriguing conversation with Sherry. She's a very accomplished and business-minded talent leader with a unique perspective I know you'll appreciate. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to Talent Management Truths. I'm your host, Lisa Mitchell, and today I'm joined by my guest, Sherry Evans. Sherry is the Senior Vice President and Head of People and Client Experience for Aviso Wealth. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So perhaps you could start by sharing with our listeners a little bit around your background and what you are currently doing in your role. For sure. Happy to. So I am by trade and and by background an HR professional. Started my career in my late 20s. It took me a long time to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. Finally figured out that HR seemed to be the right fit after a bunch of kind of failed attempts at other things, but I got there in the end. And and so I grew my career as a, as an HR professional, as a generalist. But I had an opportunity to work for smaller organizations. I ran out of the gate, so I got to learn and see every element of HR, which was a huge benefit for me. So by the time I got to a larger organization, I kind of had all those tools in my toolkit and could navigate relatively well. But I was always told I was a little different from other HR folks. I never really knew what that meant. And I think it's because I was very business-minded, very business-focused, which I think made me a really good HR business partner. But then that started to translate into something broader. About seven or eight years ago, I finally went and, and did a, a, an MBA, which was something that I'd been wanting to do and, and procrastinating around because I never loved, I love learning, but never loved school. And so I went and did an MBA and that actually opened up my world considerably and started then in my job leading corporate strategy in addition to HR and also uh, responsibility for the creation of a PMO. So I had strategy and execution and people, which was, which was kind of a really cool job. In more recent years, the company that I was with at that time merged with two other organizations and created a new organization called Visa Wealth. And my role had then been carved back to just doing the HR stuff, but it was a much bigger HR job than, than I'd had previously because what we were doing was merging three companies in three very unique cultures. And that was a challenge and you know, something that I was really excited to be part of. 
And then recently, the last two years, my role expanded to include, and you mentioned my title, with client experience. So I have client experience, I have HR, and I have marketing. So I have all of those functions together today. Really, really interesting. So I'd love to explore this a little bit. So congratulations on the MBA. And I think that, you know, you make a good point about being very business-minded, how that is helpful when it comes to being an excellent business partner within HR. Because it, from a credibility perspective, earning that trust, being able to speak the language of our of our internal clients is absolutely imperative. So it's so interesting. So you've had a couple of experiences where there's what you kind of colored outside the lines of people or HR. So the first one with corporate strategy and PMO, and now with client experience and marketing. So I'm curious, I want to hear a bit more about how those three three functions intersect in your current reality. But what do you think it is about your skills or about how people see you that enabled this to happen in two two different contexts where you had this this blend of functions that people might not otherwise put together? It's a good question. You know, I think because in the first instance, I was so incredibly engaged in the organization. I was excited about where we, where we were headed. And strategy had kind of bounced around from person to person. And and I had an opinion and I wanted to help lead the the process in an effective way. And, and my boss had said, fine, take it. I think you should, you know, why don't you go ahead and, and lead it? And then that sort of became a more permanent situation. And then also the, the recognition that we weren't executing as effectively as we could, given all of the the great things we were, you know, kind of conjuring around the strategy. And so again, I caught that one and 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 it was just sort of a nice fit because it had also become a bit of a cultural piece too. So how do we create a culture that that supports the the ability to effectively execute and it'll kind of align our people to where it was that we were headed from a strategy perspective. So it all kind of the stars aligned on that. I think it made sense. It was kind of organic how it grew. And when, you know, the merger happened and I, I was asked if if HR would be enough, I said, of course, of course it would, because it's, you know, we're merging three companies. Of course, it's incredibly interesting. But then we had hired a, an external consultant to come in and help us kind of re-envision what the, the the structure could look like beyond the first two years. You know, once we'd kind of gone through the heavy lifting of, of integration of, of these companies, you know, what is that, what does that structure now look like? What could it look like? And, and so I wasn't expecting something to change for me. I, I knew that we had some gaps in terms of capabilities in, in the organization. And so we, we solved we solved for that. But the rec- one of the recommendations was, you know, we see an, an opportunity here because it's sort of a, a leading practice to bring HR and and the experience, the client experience together. And you've got someone in in your HR leader who has the capability to, you know, and has done something, you know, beyond the HR function before. Here's a recommendation, you know, what do you think and, and would this work? And, and I'm lucky enough to have a CEO, a boss who has a decent view of talent. And we'd had an opportunity to build a relationship. And I know he knew that I was interested in, in more than, than HR alone. So, so yeah, it, it worked out well, you know, given the recommendation and I think given how I'd showed up to, to date from that, from that point. So. Well, and, and there is such a strong connection between employee experience and client experience. We talked about that earlier before we hit record. I, that's something that's been a huge part of my work, my writing, my teaching, how if we really equip employees and really consider their experience from start to finish, from the way we even attract them into an organization, then they're going to 
be able to take care of that client experience as well, right? It's going to benefit immediately. So tell us about the marketing connection. So that that piece coming into play, you called marketing the group that typically has held the pen when it came to client experience and voice of the customer. Yeah. And, you know, I I had an opportunity to educate myself out of the gate. And and I will say if there's one thing that the pandemic offered up, it was the ability to, to go to a bunch of conferences and and on a virtual basis without having to take the time off work to go do those things. So I was I was voraciously consuming information about CX. And what I found through the the various outlets that I was engaging in is a lot of marketing folks were responsible for CX or former CMOs, now heads of CX. And they are fantastically talented at this. And they, of course, understand client, understand client behavior and how to engage. And of course, this the creation of brand and the brand promise. And all of those things are incredibly important from an experience perspective. But what was missing from their perspective was the ability to influence the, the broader organization from a culture perspective in bringing that the employee experience and, and how employees function to align with that brand promise. So that was sort of that disconnect. And, and what I was hearing from them was that they were challenged with trying to build the right relationship with the head of HR to try and make sure that, that those connection points were happening where they could, the creation of culture to support the, the brand promise that was being created. So I think the vision to bring you know, HR and marketing together is a good one because it allows for us to leverage each other's strengths. So they have this, this capability of creating that brand and understanding clients at a, at a very intimate level but then you create a CX function in between that sits between marketing and HR and, and you have the culture, you have the experience and you have that, that brand work and, and you bring it all together and you have something kind of, you know, magical. So we're still, you know, we're two years into this journey. It's working well. We've, we, we've had su- such heavy lifting to do just creating brands for the organization because we were, we were new four years ago. So we're still kind of just finishing some of that work, but inclusive in that is an employee brand and a visa brand. So how do we help employees understand what it is that they do and how, the, how what they do impacts the experience that our clients have of us. But before we can even you know, really expect them to to show up in a, in a certain way. We also need to make sure that their experience is positive. So, so it's really just it, it's really you know bringing all those those elements together so that the EX you know mirrors positive CX. So you can't have one without the other, in my opinion. So you know, I know we're aligned on that. It, it's I think more and more becoming common for for organizations to understand that you really need to have your employees on that journey. So I'm curious about how you have gone about trying to communicate internally to the phrase I always use is to embed and thread the importance of alignment between CX and EX. What does that look like at Avisa? Well, it's, 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 I mean, and the beauty is I have the communications team as part of my team too. So we can start to just change how we, you know, focus some of our internal communications. But for us, we created, like I said, that internal brand. That was in, and embedded in that was was a manifesto that really talked about client and and their role in in client and our values and bringing all of those elements together, and then just making sure that we stay consistent on on that embedding these expectations into how we rate performance. We've changed up our our bonus program as well to include a larger component of the of the client experience. So. Those are some things that I think influence the behavior, but most of all, it's helping them understand how their individual roles impact the organization's success and client success. And, and that's still a journey that we're on. You know, it's we've, we've just created 
a CX framework or CX vision, which we're about to operationalize. So that will become a really key component for us too. And included included in that is obviously messaging around our brand promise of who are we, what what do we want to do? But it's it's a bit of a journey around kind of what, what is it that we'd like to see behaviorally? How are we going to respond? How do we show up? And it's going to become a mantra for us. So how do we how do we embed that in in the way that everyone is is showing up and doing their jobs on a day to day? Because it's so important. And so we're you know recently we launched a video series internally. Each executive spoke to the, the key elements of our strategy, and we're also talking about we launched a, an employee video, really defining our purpose, really getting clear on what it is that we're here to do. But then having divisional and departmental meetings with every employee across the business that they can really clearly articulate what it is that they're here to do and how that connects to the end goal of, of, of the experience. So it's not something that you, that you I think, very simply put in play. It's, no. it's, it takes a while. I think a culture shift takes, what, it's a couple of years at least before you kind of get you know, really good at the behaviors. But, but yeah, so we, we've been doing a lot of work to kind of setting up the, you know, the elements of what it is that we need to do. And now we're in the process of, of finally executing on those things. So, right. so yeah, and it sounds like a, you know, a really multifaceted approach and it's yeah. an approach you're choosing to take over time to let, let it kind of let the ideas and the, the, the vision settle, if yeah. you will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to yeah. you have to drip for a little while and make sure that everyone's really clear, right? Before before it becomes kind of the standard. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. it's, it, it comes down to absorption rate, right? The, the, yeah. People are trying to get the job done. So any kind of movement towards that future vision has to be brought in kind of gradually around the edges, right? Because yeah. people only have so much capacity to take it in and, and make sense of it, make meaning of it all. Yeah. You know, something you'd mentioned to me earlier as well when we were chatting was around the work you're doing with Career Paths. And why you took that on, but also I would imagine that in Career Pass, which is a hot topic, let me tell you, with with <laughs> the participants in my talent trust group, oh God, I think it's three, maybe even four of them are working on it, and several other clients that I partner with. So it's a it's a hot topic, and I would think that this whole vision, the CX vision, that connection of CX to EX, is probably has a place in those Career Paths and how you get at it. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So when I worked at a large Canadian retailer, we had created career paths end to end, and they were just a thing of beauty. I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to this stuff. Just a thing of beauty. I love them. I love the idea of no matter where you're standing in an organization, no matter your position, if you can, you know, if you have career aspirations, if you kind of, you know, think I'd like to go be the head of marketing, but I'm sitting over here in the call center, how do I get there? Those career paths can really help you, you know, map out what are the steps and the experiences I need to go and and obtain before I can get to that place. And I think that that's one of those really great things for employees to envision, especially, you know, as we are faced with, with, you know, great resignation and and higher levels of, of turnover. And, you know, I was telling you that we've been surveying and for a while, I think everyone does exit surveys, which are, you know, kind of a lagging indicator. But for us, it was really getting clear on what are the common themes? What are the top three themes? And for us, Better opportunity, career opportunity was was the number one reason that people were leaving, and that and the second was work life balance. And so for us, it was how do we give employees the opportunity? And I, I should also note, it was our relatively new employees, so less than three years that were leaving, more so than than longer term folks. So how do we give those newer employees a really clear understanding of what the opportunities are for growth in this organization? And because we're still new, I mean, we're still scrambling to try to get everything in place, but. I've got someone fantastic on my talent team who 
has started across the organization and there's just a buzz about it now. And we post them on our intranet so that you can start to see that matrix happening. And, and how do you, if you can envision it, envision it, we can help you get there. And of course, then we've got other plans that assist in the development of, of talent once we identify those folks and, and we know where people want to go. So it's really just giving people a, a picture of what's possible. And, and that's the piece I think is, is, is key. Absolutely. And how, how are people able to, to access these paths? Like where, like you said, they can see it on your internet. What does it look like? Is it, is it just a page and it's a path? Like tell, tell us a bit about that. Cause people actually want to know about the mechanics of this kind of thing. Well, and I wish I could show you, and I know you, Lisa, know what it looks like. And I'm sure many of your, your, your folks that are listening to this probably engage in these things, but but yeah, for us, we've just we've just created it and carved out a space on our intranet where, from a talent perspective, we have the space to to start to post these, and they're not insignificant in size, depending on how big and how many roles are in a particular division. We started with our asset management group, we're working our way across the business, and when we get into our shared services groups, there's a lot of roles. We have more roles in shared services than we do in in our business lines to support mm-hmm. the business, and so I'm excited to see when that's finished. But it's like a matrix; you can. You literally see each each role and and the experiences that are required. You can put yourself in any one of those, in, in, you know, move yourself along the path. And so ours is digitized. You can kind of plot yourself along any any point and understand kind of what are the experiences that you need to be in this role. And and they've been able able to summarize that I think relatively effectively. But but yeah, I, you know, it's it's I think it really gives people an opportunity to understand more about the roles in the organization, which is great. And then also what's required once you get or how do you get, how do you get there? Do I need to go do a degree in a particular area? Do I need certain designations? What's important, you know, in terms of what are the key pieces of, of experience that you need to, to be successful to get to that place? So for us, it's, you know, it looks kind of like just a matrix at this stage. And when we're done, and, and so the retailer I was with, by the way, was Hudson's Bay. It was huge. That organization was huge. And, and this thing was just enormous. The matrix that had been created for, for Hudson's Bay was enormous. We're not that big, but we have certainly plenty of unique roles. And so by the time this is done, it'll be big. At, at this stage, we're just placing them in on the intranet by division. So they're not all connected. We're, we're just showing it, you know, division by division to start with. So I think we want to get people comfortable with what it is and, and how to navigate through it so they can take a look. But but yeah, so we're not even maintenance. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Updating it as the roles change, as the updated. business evolves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's always been tough in my experience, right, is, is making sure that we keep them relevant and current so that people keep availing themselves of these as resources. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, so you talked about, you know, with the exit surveys and that you have, you know, I know you have been impacted, as many have, by the Great Resignation to, to varying degrees in different locations. And what, as tr- you're trying to stem the tide, so you're looking at the data, you're seeing, you know, it's for other opportunities, so it's market competitiveness, right? Especially mm-hmm. with the pandemic you you told me earlier you just you know like the work just went out of the stratosphere and and you had to hire and so work-life balance was tricky because there was so much volume in the system and then you've done you've done something about pay as well tell us a little bit about how you're working on work-life balance on that particular <laughs> one. well it's a tricky one and you know as, as you mentioned as we talked about earlier when the pandemic hit our volumes became just we had we saw unprecedented growth which we were very fortunate for because I know other organizations and other industries aren't as, as fortunate. And so we were certainly counting our blessings, but the challenge was we couldn't hire people fast enough to keep up with the volume of the demand. And that was problematic because we were hiring a lot of people in our operations and service center, so not our highest pay bands. And we were really burning people out because the volumes were great and there was a ton of overtime. And 
it was really difficult to keep up. And, and as I mentioned, we were still a relatively new organization and had come through the integration and we were about to pivot to think about the next stage in our evolution, which included digitization and the pandemic hit right around that time. So that really gave us motivation and the ability to start to focus. We brought in a third party partner to help us from an implementation perspective, but we've started now on this digital transformation journey. And, and the first area that we started to do that with is our operations and service center groups, because that's where we have biggest pain points. And that's where our clients are experiencing the biggest pain points as well. So yeah, we've started to digitize our processes, you know, really tightening things up and giving employees better tools. So that includes giving them agile training, giving them, you know, training on, on new ways of doing things, making their jobs easier to do. Part of that experience is it should be easy to work here. If it's not easy to work here, it's probably not even easy to do business with us. So, so it's really understanding kind of that end-to-end experience that starts with our employees, giving them the tools they need and, and really taking three companies worth of processes and really and starting to really truly refine them, but digitize them and, and create scalable technology and, and processes so that in the event that we do have ups and downs, and we always will, these things are cyclical, we're ready for it. And, and so we're, we're actually, I think, five or six months into this journey now. We've started to see, you know, an uptake in how we're able to, to deliver. We had a great RSP season, which was not the case the last two. Okay. And so from a service perspective, and so we're starting to get good feedback and from the employees as well, who are saying that they're enjoying the work more. They're getting an opportunity to do different things and, and to see opportunity in a different way in the organization. So I think that's important. That's the first part of the journey. And so you asked about work-life balance. This should enable us to, to allow people to take vacation fully, you know, right? And, 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 and we've really carved back overtime. We're asking that we don't, you know, unless we really, really need to have it, let's not have overtime be a regular thing. It shouldn't be that someone has to work late every day. That's the sign of a problem. So, so how are we managing that? And that's, that's something that's a key focus for us because we need to not burn people out. People are a valuable resource, especially in a very tight labor market where you can't just go get more people and that you don't want to be known for that. That's not, who you, you know, as a Canadian financial services organization, who we want to be. Well, and I think there's a greater consciousness now of the problem that is burnout. It's a widespread problem. And I think people are acknowledging it, speaking out more about their own experiences with it. So there's a greater understanding that yeah, this doesn't, this isn't, shouldn't be normal. So it's interesting that you're taking steps to try to, to help people help themselves a little bit. It sounds mm-hmm. like, yeah, because it's, it's all too easy to get swept up and never take a break. And, and yeah. then everything suffers, right? That sense of productivity, belonging, engagement, mm-hmm. it all slips. So being yeah. proactive is the way to go. Yeah. And, and working from home just adds an extra element of complication around that for people because let's face it, in the beginning, there was nothing else to do. So you might as well work. You know, they couldn't go out, do anything. So, but that it's not sustainable. It just isn't. And to your point, we've hired newer people. They've never met their coworkers in person. We've learned to onboard people effectively by way of, of uh, a virtual, but is it truly as impactful as it, as it could or should be? And we've decided to go with a flexible work environment. So we're not pushing people back. We're letting people decide what works for them with the caveat that there may be times that we say, hey, listen, we're going to have a, a, a brainstorm session or we're going to, you know, ask folks to come in and do something in the office. But that's not going to be our, our regular way forward. It's going to be really an employee's choice. They've proven they can be productive, but how do we give them better tools and, and the ability to to disconnect. And of course, we've got the right to disconnect legislation that's about to go live in Ontario, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I was talking about that with a, a group I was facilitating some training a couple of weeks ago. 
it's interesting, right? It just it just underscores how widespread the problem has become, right? Yep. That that the government's actually legislating something like yeah. that. So the flexible return to work or or policy is it in your organization? Which is that kind of considered hybrid, where some people will be completely at home all the time, or everybody's mm-hmm. coming in part of the time? How have you managed that? So. Initially, we were going to do hybrid and we'd gone through, we rated all the positions across the business in terms of flexibility, how flexible is one role versus another or by level as well. And we created team agreements across every division so that every every division had sort of come up with a plan around, you know, are we going to go in the office Tuesdays and Wednesdays or like, you know, just Tuesdays or Tuesday, you know, every other Tuesday, what does that look like? And through the conversations we were having, it became clear that as much as employees were willing to do it, that there just was a level of discomfort from two perspectives. One, health and safety. Sure, not everyone is at the same level of readiness to return. And two, what's the reason I'm in the office? What am I doing? What is that purpose? And and that's, I think, the most important question, which is, why are you going to, you know, push people back into an office environment? Of course, seeing people in person, you know, there's, there's that element to, you know, collaboration, but we've learned how to collaborate online. There's that intangible when you when you meet people in person and get that yeah. sense of them and those in, informal conversations that happen when you're just walking by somebody, which is, I think, something that most of us miss. But what is the true purpose for having people in the office? And, you know, I don't think we have a good answer to that in, in the way that we need to at this stage on a consistent basis. And, and we want to listen to our employees. So what we decided to do was shift away from hybrid and create a flexible environment where, like I said, employees, it's up to the employee to choose with, the, like I said, the caveat that there may be times when a leader says, hey, listen, we're going to do something in person, so we'd like you to be there. But for us, we're going to try it out. And that's what we're, that's just the place we're in, which is, we don't know the, the full answer. Let's see how it works. We're going to revisit in the fall and we'll take some feedback throughout what's working, what's not. So kind of do that keep, stop, start, and then just iterate as we learn things and, and take it from there. Well, I appreciate that answer because I think, you know, there <laughs> things can shift, right? Yeah. We've seen that. They can shift yeah. on a dime. And so yeah. go as far as you can see and then go further, right? You know, right now, this seems like the right move. You've listened to your people. It sounds like they've really been heard and you're creating, you know, the, the framework based on that. And then you can shift and adjust if if things change right down the road yeah. and you've got to For plan. sure. Yeah, excellent. Well, so we're coming near the end of our time together. It just blew, of course, as <laughs> always. So I was wanted to ask you one last question, which is around, you know, you've had a really interesting career and I'm wondering what would you say has been the biggest kind of life lesson from that career that you've learned? Wow, that's a big question. For me, working with people and the unpredictability of people and the unpredictability of business and, and sort of, you know, how those things intersect. For me, it's about learning to be patient, learning to be someone who listens and takes a moment before reacting. I was so, you know, action focused for so long in my career. I wanted to make sure that I stayed on top of things. But what I, I think learned at least the last kind of, you know, five to 10 is to take a moment and process and and not react right away and you know gather as much information as possible before you know really moving forward with with a plan so for me it's and I'm not a patient person but it's about just taking the time to because I want to get things right and I want things to be to be perfect but they can't be and so you have to just do what you can when you can 
with with all the information that you have and do the best that you can. So for me, it's there's a bunch of things in there, I think, to unpack, but patience and, and you know, listening skills and, and, you know, not not having to be perfect or right all the time. Well, and what a relief to, <laughs> to, to, to realize that and, and to, to kind of live into it, which it sounds like what you're doing, right? And, you know, instead of fighting the unpredictability of people in business, it's to, to accept that, to, to expect it and behave accordingly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Excellent. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Really helpful. Great insights and nuggets of wisdom there. So thank you for that. Well, thank you once again for coming on the show, Sherry. It's been such a pleasure to spend time with you. Well, thank you, Lisa. I've enjoyed this very much. The time really did fly. You promised it would, but it really oh, did. Totally. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your colleagues. Better yet, head over to iTunes and let us know. When you subscribe and leave me a five-star review, not only do I glow from within, but more people will learn about the show and why they should listen. Until next time, keep telling the talent management truth.